From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Oh, so good to see you all in this room again. It has been a little while and I am excited to talk about what we are going to be sharing today because I have no clue where it's going to lead. <laughs> but first of all, we need to present or introduce ourselves. I'm Scott Armstrong and to my left, Natalie Franco. Hi guys. To her left, AJ Fry. Hi guys. Across from me, Emily Armstrong. Hey everyone. And to my right, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact. <laughs> she really wanted to greet you. Um, did you know that baby sea otters can't swim? What? <laughs> How do they not die? They Their mom keeps them afloat. Oh. Isn't like their mom's cute? a little, little baby otter raft. Okay, the reason I was really <laughs> excited about this is there's a cute picture. Oh, so now you got to describe this. This is it's a, a mom otter holding a baby oh, on floating on floating on her back. Oh, that's so cute. So they, they well, I, I'm sorry. I always ask questions. <laughs> Do you know when they start to learn how to swim? Because it seems like that'd be pretty important. I don't know when, but I do know that the mom wraps them in kelp when she has to go hunt so that they float. Natalie, do you even know what kelp is? Kelp. No. <laughs> Kelp. No glue. We don't have that in it's here. It's lettuce. I'm pretty sure. We just eat it all the time. It's lettuce. <laughs> it's not lettuce. It's similar to lettuce. People cook with it. Yes. Now we have two fun facts. Fun facts. So Wow, it's a two for one day. It's a two for one. We have talked about otters. People, if you are listening to us and this is your first episode, we are not an otter podcast. But we could be. It's our spinoff. We, we are a podcast that deals with missions, that deals with a healthy church, that deals with culture. And we're going to talk about some of that stuff today, but I don't know where it's going to lead because this is an episode we're calling Been Thinking. What have you been thinking about? And so I'm just going to ask, Emily, what have you been thinking about? I've been thinking about uh, being a new missionary family arriving to the missionary field because there is a new missionary family that's coming to the Dominican Republic when we record this. Uh, they will come tomorrow. So by the time you hear this, maybe they will be experts at everything Dominican, <laughs> I doubt it, which is what I've actually been thinking about. It's made me start to think about Scott and I have had the blessing of being on the mission field for almost 18 years now. And uh, for me, sometimes it's hard to think about what we were before who we are now. And so as I've been walking through this process with uh, their names are Christy and Sam Seneca, uh, we've spent some time with them. We've tried to intentionally every 10 to 14 days just go through a, a book called On Being a Missionary by Thomas Hale, which if you want a really great book to read, um, I would highly recommend it. But we've just been talking about some, you know, things like culture shock and what it is to bring your family here and how to find a local church and um it's just really made me think about how I was as a young mom and uh, they have four children and all of the things that go into the faith of saying yes to God's call. And I think the yes of saying, uh, or I'm sorry, I think the faith of saying yes to God's call uh, looks different at every stage of life. And as I think about the Senecas, they're in this stage of life that saying yes has meant uh, giving up a family business. It's meant uh, putting their kids in 
to homeschool for the past year because they knew they were coming here soon. Uh, it's meant uh, giving up uh, roles in their local church that they had been in leadership roles. And um, it's just interesting to walk through with them. And I know the Fries have been on the field for about four years. And so I don't know if there's memories that you have. And Natalie, we're hoping that you're going to be in this process very soon uh, as you're in a process of becoming the missionary. But um, some of the things that I know to be true is it's a scary time. It's a time when you are going and leaving everything that you know to be true and like setting up life in a very different place, very different culture, very different language. Everything's very different. And um, it's just made me reflective. And I didn't know if maybe the fries had something that they would remember, you know, four years ago was theirs or Natalie, maybe even something that you've been thinking about as I step into this process of what I've been thinking about of, of what that process could potentially be. But for us, it was scary and thrilling all at the same time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that all of us have maybe a little bit of that testimony. For me, it's, it is exciting and thrilling and can be stressful because you don't like, you're trying to figure out how to do life in this new place, but it's very exciting. Most more exciting, I think to me than scary. Mm -hmm. Cause I like to explore. I like to find out new things. I have a very vivid memory of, <laughs> of Emily saying to me, we went to Claro and we set up our phones and got internet service one day. It was like oh, maybe a month after being here. That was and the most we went stressful. three days in a row to make this process happen. And Emily said to me, <laughs> I can't believe you did that. We, we were willing to go with you. <laughs> we, we would have walked, like we were muddling through Spanish and everything. And so like, those are the things that I... I remember about our first days of missionary. It was just our willingness to just do whatever we needed to get yeah. done. And I pray that over the Senecas. They have a spirit of just getting it done. Mm -hmm. This causes me, uh, I've talked with Emily before on this, but there's something that's called the curse of knowing. I don't know if you've mm. heard about this, but it's that you can't imagine life before you knew whatever whatever topic or whatever expertise that you have. Uh, I'll give you an example. We speak Spanish now. Uh, we we think in Spanish. We dream in Spanish. We pray in Spanish. We love Spanish, right? Natalie, you are bilingual. You speak English. But like, it's hard to remember before that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's hard to remember, and so that's the curse of knowing. We now know that, and so when another person is struggling with that, we really have to be intentional and get back to ah yes, this is what it felt like, you know, and be supportive. Uh, when someone's muddling through going to just get a cell phone chip, just, uh, just, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, just all of these things. It's like, instead of just like, yeah, well, this is part of hazing, you know, good luck with that. You know? <laughs> it's like, like every missionary has to just deal with it. Like, it's like, Hey, let's help these people. We do remember that even if it's hard to remember. Right. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest blocks that I remember of being the new missionaries, you go with like all of this intentionality of we're going to create great relationships <laughs> and we're going to tell people about Jesus. And it's like you literally are in this process for 12 to 18 months probably of like, I can't even tell you that I'm having a good day today, let alone like sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ with somebody. And so I think there's a huge um 
uh, I've thought a lot about, like, we can tell this new family, these are all the things that you are going to experience. But until you literally get your feet on the ground and start experiencing them, there is just a reality that happens of the experience. So like that head knowledge becomes the practical knowledge. And I think there is just that new missionary feeling. I've, I've felt it even when we just change countries, but man, being the brand new missionary, we were 26 years old and we had a three month old son with us and woo, we had a huge learning curve when we got to Guatemala. Uh, but oh, I think what we could all say is God in his faithfulness continues to confirm the call even through those first six to 12 to 18 months where it's like everything's new. And so that's what I've been thinking about. They've, they've got a lot in front of them, but I know that their testimony is God's been faithful in the past. I know that that's what they would say. And that's what's driving them to know his faithfulness today. Amen. Yeah, well, and it, a lot of people have, you know, been telling them, they've been joking and kind of laughing. A lot of people have been like, oh, it's going to be so hard, and it, we're praying for you. And they're like, you're <laughs> freaking me out. You right. know, this is, this is why. Help you. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it makes me think, Natalie, like, you're eager, you're excited. There's some nervousness as well. But I do wonder if we were to have this conversation in a couple of years, if you'd be like, ah, my expectations beforehand were very different from what I found. For sure. I'm pretty sure about that. I have a lot of expect expectations. I'm a little bit afraid, you know that. <laughs> I cannot lie. <laughs> but uh, I've been, as Emily said, I've been seeing how God has been with me all the time. And I know he's going to be with me when I am, you know, whatever he wants me to be. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, good. Thank you, Emily. That that's cool what you've been thinking about. And now we're going to move again. For those who are not initiated into this type of episode, we could go anywhere. So uh, we're going to go to otters. Can we yeah, talk about yeah. otters for yeah. a while? Yeah. Done. Already did it. Chelsea's like, yeah, exactly. Chelsea's like, yes, this is my wheelhouse. This is exactly what I'm excited about. Okay. So AJ, what have you been thinking? That's about? a great segue, actually, because culture is what I've been thinking about. Ooh. And new missionaries deal a lot with culture, right? Everybody deals with culture. That's a dumb statement. Um, <laughs> I think we've just found a new hashtag for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's been very interesting. I have think I, I think I've discovered a new like little piece of the Dominican culture after living here for four years. So we've talked in, in episodes past about how culture is like an iceberg, right? 90% of culture is unseen. You just have to experience it. And if you're living in it, you sometimes don't even realize it, right? And so it's fun for me to like discover those little pieces of, of culture. And I think I've discovered one, which was very confusing at first, <laughs> um, but very interesting to my scientific brain because I like to analyze things and like do experiments. And so I did an experiment with Natalie this morning. Yes, he did. <laughs> before we started recording. <laughs> and what I did was I showed her a couple images. I showed her one of like colors, like colors of the rainbow aligned vertically. Okay. And I asked her which color came first. And then I showed her a picture of a scale. So if you go to the grocery store, you might find a scale and you put your fruits and vegetables in it and it tells you how much it weighs, right? And it has like a, a clock hand on it that turns one way or the other. So I, I work in communications and I do things with logos eventually. And so I was creating a logo. This is where this came from. I was creating this logo for our area and it has our six countries like in a row below the, below the title of the area. 
So it's, I wish you could see Natalie's face right now because she's like <laughs> processing through all of this stuff AJ is saying as he's saying it with regards to the test that he just gave her yeah. before we started no, recording. No idea where it's going. Yes. Okay. So I'm creating this logo for our field and underneath it has the six countries of the field, which are Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama, Cuba, Dominican Republic, and Puerto Rico. Okay. And so I aligned the... In this logo, I aligned these countries underneath the title of our field, and I presented it to my boss, which is the field strategy coordinator, FSE, okay, and for his approval. And he said, that looks great, except I want to see uh, Nicaragua first in that list and to end with Puerto Rico. And I looked at the image, and in the United States, we read from left to right. Okay. And in the Dominican Republic, I also thought <laughs> this was true. totally shaking her head with like this knowing. She knows where this is going now. In the Dominican Republic, they also read from left to right when they're, when they're reading Supposedly. words. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so I look at the image and, and I see Nicaragua is on the left and it goes through the countries and ends with Puerto Rico on the right. And I messaged, messaged him back and I said, that's how it is. Is there anything else you would like to change? And he says, no, it looks great. I would just like to see Nicaragua start, like to start with Nicaragua and then go, go Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama, Cuba, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. So he's basically going from west to east. If you know your geography, he yes. wants it to go. We have it west to east. That's how AJ did it. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the way it was lined up in, in this order. And so I was very confused. I was like, that's how it is. <laughs> like, literally, that's it, the order yes. that you have. It was not. And so, I, <laughs> and so I messaged him back and I said... Wait, our field strategy coordinator is from the Dominican Republic. Yes. yes. This is an yes. important... Yes. And so I messaged him back and I said, Brother Carlos, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I have it arranged on this from starting with Nicaragua on the left. And I, list, I listed the countries from left to right ending with Puerto Rico on the right. And he says, okay, I would like to see Nicaragua on the right ending with Puerto Rico on the left. And I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> because that is not how I read images at all. Like, and that's very important if, if you're designing images like you got to know how your audience reads the image right mm -hmm. and just for clarification we are not saying one way is right or wrong no no no. it was just like this light bulb moment i'm like right. are all dominicans like this is this the we dominican are. culture <laughs> and so i <laughs> and so i asked several dominicans um most of them i will admit i did not do a proper like thesis okay i didn't do a hypothesis you didn't and a go proper study method on this one not really no and by a lot it was like three <laughs> I, asked, I asked a total including natalie i asked a total of five dominicans wow. but they were all they're all younger than me okay so that may have something to play with it because i was talking with the dominicans so the pictures i showed natalie with the rainbow she said that in in this image of the rainbow orange was on the left and she said orange came first. And so, okay, that's great. With the one with the scale, the the clock, if I'm gonna say that, like the scale turns counterclockwise. So it goes to the left first. So from zero going left is one, two, up to nine. And to me, that's wrong. It should go clockwise. Like I, I would read it like I would read a clock. And so Natalie seemed kind of confused. What did you think about that image? 
I thought was wrong because I was thinking the same way as okay. you were thinking. It's supposed to go as the clock is going. Uh huh. Okay. So I think we are okay. In yeah. Okay. Yeah. So other right. <laughs> other people that I asked didn't have any problem with that at all. What was interesting is because we have here called colmados, and they're like they're like corner stores that have just like basic vegetables and 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 things and like canned items that you can buy dried goods usually and in the colmado they might have one of these scales but it has two sides on it so on one side it would turn clockwise on the other side it would turn counterclockwise so the mechanism would work the same throughout the whole thing and so the The, Dominic the other Dominicans I asked were like, yeah, that's fine. You're looking at the Colmado side, like the, the seller side of the scale. And I was like, no, there's only one side to this scale. So that, they were very confused by that, but they didn't see anything wrong with it. So that was very interesting to me. But then on the images, Natalie said that's, she listed, because I corrected the image of the countries and Puerto Rico was on the left now, ending with Nicaragua on the right. And so Natalie said it starts with Puerto Rico. So I asked these other Dominicans, like, so why, so why is my boss, Carlos de la Cruz, who is older than I am, as well as a contractor that we work it with, he's older than I am, they seem to orient images from right to left. And I asked them, you know, is this normal? Is this, like, what's, what's going on here? And <laughs> they hadn't thought about that either. So it's something, like, they were very ingrained in. But that just doesn't, they just don't think about. Anyways, this was just very interesting to me, just to discover new pieces of culture that a lot of the Dominicans I asked didn't even know like this was part of their culture, right? And so that's just very, that's just very fascinating to me. So Natalie, I mean, we have uh, <laughs> someone here that's like in this culture. Have you ever thought of this before? And what is your reaction? Okay, after all of that, I was thinking, I need to go more often to the Colmado. <laughs> Because you said before, like he was asking for Dominicans about the wave and they were, say, they, they were saying it was right and I was saying it was not because I was thinking the same way as AJ. <laughs> so like, I didn't even realize it was something from our culture, so yeah. Well, and we've wondered, with you being an architect, have you, because of your, your studies and your education, Do you think differently from a lot of the majority of Dominicans on on how you read, you know, your blueprints or, uh, you know, a scale like that? What do you think? Well, um, I think it's probably because I've been studying about that. Like, I just try to think the way an architect mm. should think. But yeah. I don't even know how to, what to say, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in part of culture, like part of this podcast is like this was fascinating for AJ as a foreigner in this culture, but it also, as we start to interact with people that aren't like us or that are from other cultures, we start to realize things about our own culture. Mm -hmm. And you may be having that aha moment right now. Exactly. You know, that moment where you're like, I need to actually think more about this, that you've just kind of absorbed and taken in, you know, as normal uh, to actually really think, Is it generational? Is it all of us? Is it just me that's different or whatever? So, and that's a cool, cool time. Yeah. I, lo yeah. I love those moments. Those are yeah. the pieces that I love to explore. Like when I come into a mission field, like Emily was saying, like those are the pieces that I love to discover, those aha moments. 
Well, and maybe it's worth it to, we're assuming that everybody knows every culture around the world, but there are cultures that read and write from right to left. And right. so if you're in a culture that reads from left to right, you know, like maybe this conversation means something different than, but there are, I mean, Hebrew is the one, Arabic comes straight mm-hmm. to my mind of there's a lot of cultures that read from right to left. So again, that cultural issue of like, it's different. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just different. And so as we understand cultural sensitivity, yeah. and things like that it's it's important to know that there are different ways to read and write and sometimes you don't even think about that being a part of culture so yeah well natalie your mind has been blown and uh, <laughs> and so we're gonna go straight to you and ask what now is, she doesn't know what she's been thinking yeah. <laughs> now she's thinking about something completely different but before all of this what had you been thinking about well i've been thinking about impact mentoring specifically about how to identify the person to mentor and I've been thinking about this um, a little time, but after the last section we have of the region where Tim and Annette were talking about that, like, I feel now the, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit is with me, so I can talk about that. <laughs> um, and I've been thinking about this specifically after Mission Without Limits, because I, I was that week with my team. In my team, there was a 19-year-old young man, and... And I have to say, I really admire him. I really admire the way he is, how he loves God that much at his age mm-hmm. and um, how he loves to serve a lot. So after that week, I was talking with the leader of my team and I was telling him, you know, look at him. We need to find a mentor for him. Mm-hmm. I was just in, I, and I was trying to tell him because of this, because of this, because of this, I was trying to list like all this characteristic, I was able to see, like I was, I was seeing in him. Yeah. And I was saying, that's why I think he needs a mentor because he has a potential, a lot of potential. But then immediately it came to my mind. And what if we don't realize that at, at, the, ver- at the very first side? Mm-hmm. What happened? That person doesn't need a mentee, doesn't need someone uh, to go with, like to grow with. Um, and, and then I realized how was, how I was like putting a list of my expectation, um, of like how a person needs to be so I can be, or or I can find him or I don't know, like Mm -hmm. to, to specifically choose him as a person to be with. And then Annette and Tim were talking about Jesus as a model of mentoring and and I was like, yes, yes, because I was able to see a God who doesn't have stereotypes, who doesn't even have any prejudice. And and I was just trying to, to think about his story when he was trying to find the disciples. I don't think Jesus like saw Simon, for example, and, and he was looking at Simon fishing and he was saying, oh, he's a good fishman. Maybe he's going to be a good fisherman of souls. I don't think he said that. But what I was realizing was what Jesus did, what God does is he doesn't see what we are in the moment, but he sees what we're going to be in him. And that makes me think, OK, now I need to be more intentional in ask God in prayers to make me see through his eyes, not identify with my eyes, but to ask him intentionally, God, I, I want to see the person you want me to disciple, you want me to mentor with your eyes. Mm-hmm. 
So I won't see like this list, but I will see what you see in him. For a little bit of context, our region is really focusing on mentoring this year. Uh, I think this would be good in a future episode to talk about as well, just in general, how do you mentor and things like that. But I'm curious, uh, through all of the trainings that we've received on how to mentor, have you chosen anyone? Have you, uh, are you being mentored? First of all, are you being mentored by someone? And then have you chosen a few people to mentor? Yes, I've been mentored and I am mentoring someone. And it's, it's exactly why I've been saying this because um, lots of people, I remember when I get in touch with him, he's just a little young boy. And because um, I've heard when I, I had the bless to get to know him, lots of people were saying, no, he's too distracted. I don't see anything in him for me like to like, I don't see anything. And I have to say, I said the same and I apologize with him, like to him, like lots of times. And oh my word, how God has been teaching me so much. Um, I've been learning so much from him and I've been seeing how God is growing in him mm. a lot, like how he is growing that much after like this relationship of mentoring. So part of what you've been thinking hasn't just been mentoring. It's really about seeing what other people are not naturally seeing in someone else, right? Yeah. And I would even say, Natalie, as you're talking about that, that's exciting to hear because something that um, I feel like God's really grown in my mind of thinking through mentoring is um, once we start identifying those people, this 19 year old young boy or young man, I should say it's not a boy. I think there, I've like had this realization that when we see the potential in somebody that there's like two options, right? Like God's asking us to invest in them as the church. If I see you as somebody that the church needs and I'm going to invest in you, because if we don't as the church, there are plenty of people in the world that are going to say, I'm going to invest in you because I see something in you. And like our young people are going to find it somewhere. They're not going to just flounder on their own. They are going to seek the guidance and direction from somebody. And so for me, it's uh, really intriguing and interesting to hear that God's opening up your eyes to somebody that maybe even others in the church would be like, oh, I don't know about that person. But like God does have certain people that we need to see. And when he opens our eyes up to it, it's like that, that obedience of being like, maybe everybody else said, I'm going to take a pass on this one, but like, I'm going to go here. And, and I feel like Scott and I have had multiple occasions and people like that. And, and sometimes you don't know where it's going to go, but other times there is such that this like confidence of like, I'm going to invest time in this person. And I know that it is exactly what it needs to be. And I think that Jesus was like that with his disciples. You know, I think there were some that he was like, I'm investing the time into this person. Let's take Peter, your example, because he's going to be the rock of the church. Like, mm -hmm. I think he saw that in him. He mm -hmm. saw, and he was like, so I'm going to invest this time because he's going to be the rock of the church. And uh, it was the mentorship of Jesus, the discipleship of Jesus to Peter that allowed him to become who he was. Well, this, this is awesome. I, again, I think we need to touch on this and I'm going to plan maybe another episode where we talk about that, but thank you. Good, good, good. That leaves Chelsea. What have you been thinking about Chelsea? Oh man, I've been thinking about a lot, uh, but that has nothing to do with this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I've been thinking about, I've been doing a Bible study with Emily and another, actually, you guys know her, Freya. Um, we love you, Freya. We love you, Freya. <laughs> um, we've been doing a Bible study on Nehemiah. And we were learning about when 
uh, Nehemiah ordered for the word, the book of the law to be read in the presence of the people. And Ezra, right? Yeah. Ezra got up on this like wooden pedestal. It's not even like anything near Solomon's temple, right? Like it's just this little box. He gets up on his little wooden box and he opens the book of the law and the people stand up in reverence and they are just in awe of who God is and the fact that his word has re-entered into the city. And it's just this moment of deep awestruck. They grieve because they've been in sin and they and the priests and the people are walking through the crowd saying, don't cry. This isn't a time for sadness. This is a time for celebration. And um, we were talking, the Bible study guides us to talk about like, what is our view of the word? What is our relationship with worship and the Sunday morning with the Sunday morning service and rituals and all the things that are the church? And I confess that I was pretty frustrated. I was unsatisfied with what is consistent of Sunday morning service. I sit in my chair and I don't feel engaged. I don't feel fed or convicted. So like, I don't know why I'm there. I feel very blah. (laughs) (laughs) And I have told Emily before that I think maybe, I didn't want this to be true, but maybe I'm called to preach. And she stopped me when we were doing this Bible study and she said, this is because you're called to preach and you're not preaching. And I was like, what? So we were talking about the fact that like I have been filled in the past or in even in the present of like my devotional time or my even mentoring under my pastor, all the things, but I'm not giving out and my call is to pour out. And so I'm just kind of blah because <laughs> I'm not fulfilling my calling. And so this last week, uh, actually the last two weeks, I got invited randomly in Mexico of all places. They don't even know who I am. <laughs> like, I don't know where they got my name, <laughs> but they've asked us, AJ and I, to participate in two different services for them. Um, and the second one, AJ had things to do. And so I was like, Uh, I think I had to do this by myself and I did it and it was yesterday when we're recording this it was yesterday and it was so good I was nervous I'm not nervous to present I feel comfortable in front of people it's not the actual preaching part it's the writing of the sermon that I feel inadequate and it went so good and I even told Emily afterwards I got um feedback from the participants like the it was seminary students and they messaged me and told me how timely the message was, which again, I don't want to say that's my fault. That is not me. That was the Lord, but it's good to know that the Lord is using me. And so I've just been thinking about the fulfilling of our calling and how necessary that is. Well, it's very interesting. Uh, We have four of us, possibly five, not to the, uh, that are, that feel that call to preach, you know, and, uh, four of us are ordained ministers, you know, And for me, it has become, like Jeremiah says, a fire in my bones. Like, I don't want to be trying to exaggerate or anything, but like, I have to do that. And I don't know. I mean, right now we're serving as pastors and uh, we're also missionaries. And I don't know if someday those uh, positions uh, will, will no longer be exactly what we're doing. But I have to, till the end of my days, continue preaching the word. It's, it's not because it's like an ego trip, but it's just... 
I need to do this. God has created me for this. And maybe that's what you're starting to sense. Yeah, it's, uh, I have often said, people have a tendency to put missionaries on pedestals that like, oh, you've given up everything and you've left your, your country, your home, your family, all the things and gone. But honestly, if I didn't do those things, I would be so un satisfied if I still lived in the United States serving in human resources, it would be awful. It would be the worst. And so it's honestly a selfish desire to leave my country and everything because I'm, I'm doing the thing that God has called me to and I'm being obedient, but like I would be unsatisfied otherwise. And I think I'm getting to the point where it's the same with this preaching call on top of a missionary call. It's not one or the other. I think it's a both and, and so I am, seeking out opportunities to explore that more. That is excellent. That's probably a good way to just close this time together. And we've been thinking about a lot. This, honestly, this episode that we do about every four or five episodes is an excuse to just get you into our minds, get you into our lives so that we can talk about different things that are important to us, that God's teaching us. And so I think that's happened. Emily, if they would like to, you know, continue the conversation and let us know what they think about learning different cultures, mentoring, uh, the call, even becoming new missionaries, as you were, you were telling us, that's what you've been thinking about. Where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook at the Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also find us on MesoamericaGenesis.org under the podcast tab. And you can listen to all of these episodes. Over a hundred of them exist now on Spotify. Yes, and tell other people about this podcast. Uh, we, We're like reverse sponsors for Spotify. Spotify, if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> That's right. Reverse sponsors. <laughs> reverse sponsors. Well, this is awesome. Cool. We've been thinking about a lot and um, hopefully it's been interesting and formative for you as well. Uh, we are the Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Chelsea Fry. We'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.